Please turn with me to Psalm 139. This is a beautiful psalm written by King David, which shows us that he had a very, very special experience with God because he understood more than uh, some of his contemporaries. And let's read just one verse, 139, Psalm 139 and verse 14, which says, this is Psalm 139 and verse 14, it says, I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. Those Christians who believe in creation would agree with this statement. Because if you look at the human brain, that is a masterpiece. And I'd like to share with you some amazing facts, if you don't mind the phrase. Amazing facts about the human brain. It has approximately 100 billion nerve cells. And if you consider the interactions of those cells, it would be almost infinite. 100 billion cells working together. Number two is that it is only... 2% of the human body weight, about 3.3 pounds, but requires 20% of the body's energy. So if you look at the weight of the brain, 2% of the whole body, but requires 20% energy, especially oxygen and nutrient consumption. Number three is that even during sleep, all parts of the brain show some level of activity. Which means the brain never stops. Never stops working. Number four is that the so-called gray material, cerebral cortex, if I'm correct, controls the thinking, the logic, and all analytical functions. And I found something very appealing. That human brain starts thinking in the mother's womb. Twenty weeks after conception the brain of the fetus starts remembering things. Think about that. Can we change or make some improvement in the functions of the brain? If, if the brain is, is so perfect, so detailed, so delicate, really fearfully, wonderfully made. Can we make any changes to the brain 
Can we improve the functions of the brain? Well, I found two interesting Bible verses in the New Testament. And I'd like to read those verses. Then I would, I would read some quotations from Ellen White. I will give you the references. You can, you can uh, write those down if you want to. Or just take a, um, a CD if they record a service. I'm not sure it is recorded. Is it recorded this morning? You can take a CD if you want to, or you just go to our website and download this today's sermons from the archives. But please come with me to the New Testament, to the book of Romans. And I'd like to encourage all of you to come Tuesday evenings at 7 o'clock and study with us the book of Romans. That's a beautiful piece. Or... I should say the best part of the New Testament. The book of Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. So this is Romans 12 and verse 2. It says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by... How, how is it happening? transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So if you really want to find out what true worship is, you need to go through an experience of the renewed mind. To be transformed by the renew, renewing of your mind. So we are not supposed to follow other peoples to conform or be conformed to this world, but be able to experience the renewal or the transformation of our mind. But this term transformation is very interesting. It comes from the Greek, and of course it means changing in form. We have an English term metamorphosis, metamorphosis, which means changing in form or can be changed in character. And we know from biology that caterpillars, <coughs> excuse me, changing into butterflies, and we describe this whole transition as metamorphosis. Thank you so much. Marta is saving my life, my neck, my voice. Thank you. So if we, we want, want to find out how we could serve God better, how we can serve the others around us, then we need to go through this metamorphosis in our mind so we can really know and prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The other Bible verse, and by the way, in the New Testament there are only four places where this term metamorphosis occur, 
Um, and uh, the other one which I'm going to read is Second Corinthians 3 and then verse 18. Second Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. It says, but we all with unwilled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. It says, being transformed into the same image, which means... In other words, this is nothing but the essence of salvation. When your mind is renewed and you, you understand what God's perfect will is and you worship God in that manner. But in this case, we understand that this is a step-by-step process. I read something about being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. So it doesn't happen overnight. It's not a one-time decision that our brain or our mind or the way of thinking will change. But it takes time from glory to glory. And also it is happening by the Spirit of the Lord. It's not simply dependent on our own will. Sometimes I have an impression that we overemphasize the role of the human will. I I agree that it is important to to think about and talk about the human will, how we exercise our will, but it is happening through the Holy Spirit. It's not because we decide to be changed. And there are two more places in the New Testament, as I mentioned, but I'm not going to read those verses because the translation is different. In Matthew 17, verse 9, and Mark chapter 9, verse 9, it says that Jesus was transfigured before his disciples. So these are the only places in the New Testament you will find this term, Metamorphosis. So the first is Romans 12 and verse 2, and then 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 18. And we know that this change, this recreation, I should say, is not without pain. It's not without pain. How do we know that? Let's turn to Galatians 4. Galatians 4, and then verse 19. It's a very special Bible verse. I love it. Galatians 4 and verse 19. It says, My little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. So what is this? How a man can experience birth. But Paul is saying that my little children from for whom I labor in birth. 
And again, he said, in birth again. It doesn't happen just once. He said, I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. So this is the, the mystery of the workings of the Spirit. How he is changing our mind, the way of thinking, our abilities, our capacities. And God is changing us back to the image Adam was created in. And it says that, my little children, I'm, I'm, I'm laboring in birth until Christ is formed in you. So this is a long process. Sometimes it takes, I should say, the whole lifetime. I think the whole lifetime to go through this process and be formed into the likeness of Christ. This is recreation. And I found a few interesting comments by Ellen White. I'd like to read those and close with another Bible verse. But these, these uh, quotations are so amazing that I could preach on those quotations. Of course, I'm, I don't want to preach on those quotations, but uh, this is something I found, at least to myself, very instructive. The first one is taken from Testimonies, Volume 2, and page 347. This is second volume of Testimonies, and page 347. It says the brain, the brain nerves, which communicate with the entire system are the only medium through which heaven can communicate to man and effect his inmost life. You probably heard this quotation before. Whatever disturbs the circulation of the electric currents in the nervous system lessens the strength of the vital powers, and the result is a deadening or dying of the sensibilities of the mind. The brain is the only medium through which God or heaven can communicate to man, to man and then effect his inmost life. And there is an electric current or currents coming from the nervous system. And if something is disturbing the circulation, the result is, is sickness. And it says the deadening or dying of the sensibilities of the mind. And sometimes I wonder why researchers don't research the electric currents of, of the nervous system. I don't know if they do it, but it seems that they don't pay too much attention. But this is a, a quotation which goes back to 1884, I think, quite a long time ago. And she made this amazing statement. And... Uh, 
the other quotation is from uh, a compilation of the, of the writings of Ellen White. The title is Guidelines to Mental Health. I don't know if you know this book, Guidelines to Mental Health. It's quite a thick book, and uh, I found many, many very important things, and uh, I just want to share a few of those. We, we don't have time to cover everything, but what I found is on page 15, for instance, It says, the influence of the mind on the body as well as of the body on the mind should be emphasized. The electric power of the brain prompted by mental activity vitalizes the whole system and is thus an invaluable aid in resisting disease. So the influence of the mind on the body and the electric power of the brain, which is prompted by mental activity, can vitalize the whole system. And this is an invaluable tool or aid in resisting disease. I remember some time ago I read uh, a report on those who are in the hospital beds. Some of them believe they are sick. But if they would believe they are not sick, they could be released from the hospital. But because the belief system is telling them that they are sick, this is why they are sick. I'm, I'm not saying everybody is, is, uh, would come under this umbrella, but quite a number of people we know that, that if they would think positively, if they would think differently, they would not be depressed, they would not be downtrodden, they would not be discouraged, because there is a vital energy coming from the way we think. And the whole body would be strengthened by this and uh, would be able to resist diseases. Well, the next, quote, next quotation is on page 50 of the same book, page 50. It says, Every organ of the body was made to be servant to the mind, every organ serving the mind. The mind is the capital of the body. The mind controls the whole man. All our actions, good or bad, have their source in the mind. It is the mind that worships God and allies us to heavenly beings. This is why we are fearfully and wonderfully made by God, because God knew that we should be able to communicate with him, of course, and with other heavenly beings. So every organ of the body was made to be servant to the mind. And the whole system works together. The, the mind controls the whole man. 
actions, either good or bad, have their source in the mind. And I like this sentence. It says, it is the mind that worships God. So we worship God through our mind, not simply uh, through our body, uh, with our hands or, or feet, but the mind is the one who is responsible for everything. And it would ally us to heavenly beings. One more. This is same book, page 235. It says, Christ can and will, if we submit to him, fill the chambers of the mind and the recesses of the soul with his spirit. So Christ can fill up all the chambers parts of the brain then our will will be in perfect harmony with the divine will our spirit and will may be so identified with his spirit and will that in thought and aim we shall be one with him So this is the working of Jesus and the working of the Spirit. And so we need to really think about how God has created us in such a beautiful way. So what shall we do then? What can help us when we think about the works of the Holy Spirit? Well, we have another source of help. And this is the Bible itself. Think about the inspiration of the Bible. It happened some thousands of years ago. But it is still effective. And whenever you read the Bible, you will be inspired by the same spirit. And since Jesus is not with us anymore, we are dependent on the work of the Holy Spirit. And he is the one who is going to change our mind. This is all because of the Spirit. And there is a a beautiful part in the Old Testament, Psalm number 1. It's interesting that Psalm number 1 and 2 have no title, no titles. We don't know who wrote these songs. If you go to number three, it says the Psalm of David. But if you go to number one or two, you don't know. But it doesn't really matter. The point is that Psalm one, especially the first three verses, I'm reading the first three verses, would give us a promise It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water 
that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. This is about the way how we think. It says that we should find delight in the law of the Lord, and in his law we should meditate day and night. Blessed is the man who can do this. His delight is in the law. And let's see what Ellen White has to say about this. Same book, Guidelines to Mental Health, and page 58 and then 59. It says, in the word of God, the mind finds subjects for the deepest thought the loftiest aspirations. Here we may hold communion with patriarchs and prophets. Amazing statement. And listens to the voice of the eternal as he speaks with man. Here we behold the majesty of heaven as he humbled himself to become our substitute and surety to cope single-handed with the powers of darkness and to gain the victory in our behalf. A reverent contemplation of such themes as these cannot fail to soften, purify, and ennoble the heart and at the same time to inspire the mind with new strength and vigor. So the Bible itself would have a very positive effect on the human brain. So first of all, we could see Jesus, and the Bible tells us the story of Jesus, how he humbled himself, the one who created, try to imagine, the one who created the brain, the one 100 billion cells. And all the intricate connections between those cells, knowing that this brain is able to comprehend heavenly things. And because man was lost, he decided to become like one of us in order to bring this knowledge to us. So this is how we can understand God. He is softening, purifying, and ennobling the heart, and at the same time, inspiring the mind with new strength and vigor. If you want to be healthy, read the Bible. If you don't want to lose your strength, read the Bible. If you want to be, you want to get rid of sicknesses, just read the Bible. If you want to be changed in your character, read the Bible. Because that's the way how God decided and designed the whole thing to soften, purify, and ennoble the heart and at the same time inspire the mind. And we all need new strength and vigor, isn't it true? And finally, I'd like to read a short parable. You know this is the shortest parable in the Bible. This is found in Matthew 
13, chapter 13, Matthew 13, and then verse 33. 13 and verse 33. This is Matthew 13 and verse 33. It says, Another parable he spoke to them, The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till it was all leavened. Have you ever thought about that this parable is about the brain? About the human mind? It's a very simple parable, just one sentence. One sentence. That's the shortest of all. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures. Three measures could feed 100 people. It was quite a bit. And so she had to work very hard. But it says that she hid. Hid this leaven in three measures of meal or, or dough till it was all leavened. So there is something which is working from inside out. Sometimes I I have an impression that we try to work from outside in. But it it would would not really achieve anything. Because God, who knows everything, who created our mind, he knows that we should be in a situation when he is working inside out, like the leaven. And it's interesting that uh, Matthew is using a term hid. Because we normally use, we, we normally don't use this term when it comes to cooking, but what would we say? He, she mixes it, okay? But in this parable, the term is used it is hidden there because there is something of a hidden nature but at the same time a reality because it is working from inside out. And, uh, and Ellen White is making a comment on this parable, interestingly enough, of the same book, what I've been reading, uh, Guidelines to Mental Health, page 47. She is saying that in the parable, the woman placed the leaven in the meal. It was necessary to supply a want. Does the divine leaven does its work? The mind is changed. The faculties are set to work. Man is not supplied with new faculties but the faculties he has are sanctified. Man cannot make this change himself. It can be made only by the Holy Spirit. When our minds are controlled by the Spirit of God, we shall understand the lesson taught by the parable of the leaven. So your mind should be controlled by the same spirit who inspired 
the Bible writers. And those who open their hearts to receive the truth will realize that the word of God is the great instrumentality in the transformation of character. Beautiful statement. And if you look into the future, there is one more. What shall we do in heaven? What do you think? What shall we do? Playing? Resting? Maybe learning? Maybe improving our capacities? And discovering things? And really appreciating things? I'd like to close with, uh, with two Bible verses and, and a short quotation at the end. Please come with me to the book of Revelation. Revelation is my favorite book. And go to the very end of the book, chapter 21 and 22. Revelation 21 and verse 7. He says, He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Think about inheriting everything. Inheriting everything, not a big sum, maybe some properties, but everything. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. So much so that God can say, I will be his God and he shall be my son. If God has everything and you are his son or daughter, you have everything because he has everything. And then one more Bible verse, Revelation 22, and verse 4. That's the greatest gift. 22, verse 4. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. Something is going to happen to our minds, our brain. Sometimes we don't think about that, but that is what is hidden there, like the leaven. It's hidden there what we need to discover. You know, going back to chapter 21, he shall inherit all things. Think about that. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. They have a direct communication between the Creator and, and His creatures. We don't need priests anymore. We don't even need a temple. If you read this chapter, there will be no temple in the New Jerusalem. There will be no priests. There will be no sacrifices, no religious rituals. Because God Himself will talk to us. We will see him face to face. 
And then there is a beautiful quotation, my very last one, taken from the Great Controversy. Great Controversy, page 677. When Ellen White is talking about the New Jerusalem and the city of God. And she wrote the following, there, meaning in the New Jerusalem or in the city of God, their immortal minds will contemplate with never failing delight the wonders of creative power. The mysteries of redeeming love. There will be no cruel, deceiving foe to tempt to forgetfulness of God. Every faculty will be developed, every capacity increased. The acquirement of knowledge will not weary the mind or exhaust the energies. That would be the best part. It would not be a burden uh, on your body that you are exhausted. You are completely exhausted. You lost all your energy. No. It says, it will not weary the mind or exhaust the energies. There the grandest enterprises may be carried forward, the loftiest aspirations reached, the highest ambitions realized, and still, and that's the amazing uh, statement and still there will arise new heights to surmount, new wonders to admire, new truth to comprehend, fresh, fresh objects to call forth the powers of mind and soul and body. A never-ending process. Do you treasure your mind? That's a very special gift from God. So my wish this morning, and my prayer is that we would really understand and, and focus on the Bible. The Bible is a beautiful uh, collection of books. And we all believe, at least I hope we, we believe, that every single book of the Bible is inspired by the Spirit of God. And so those books can be opened to your mind if your mind is inspired by the same Spirit. And so we look forward to Dr. Kavinas's lectures. I hope I did not steal something from you. Some of these, uh, my findings, you know, these are based on the Spirit of Prophecy and on the Bible. But the point is, our mind must be transformed. And it can only be done through the work of the Holy Spirit. So that's my prayer this morning, that our good Lord would really bless us and help us to find delight in his word. And so we would be ready for that eternal kingdom when we can learn new things all the time, appreciate new things, discover new things, comprehend new things, and it would never end. So may God bless all of us. Amen.